Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Hey, yo, Def, what's going on? What's going on? How's your week been? Uh, pretty good. Um, I had some like really quick travel over the weekend. It was kind of like literally overnight. Um, I went to Baltimore for a family member's graduation. So that was fun, nice. but just really exhausting because <laughs> we flew out Friday morning, came back uh, Saturday night. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, was it like high school, college graduation? It was actually so uh, medical uh, fellowship uh, in cardiology. So okay. now is the time where when it comes to like med school for like residents to graduate and like fellows to graduate. And actually, Dr. Nicole Sparks, who we had on uh, last year to talk about black maternal outcome, she actually finished her residency this year and she graduated, I think, a week or two ago. Oh, nice. her residency. Nice. So congratulations to her. Congratulations, Dr. Sparks. Hey. <laughs> I think she got the uh, the boards this week. So sending positive vibes out to her, you know, so that she passed and she can, you know, be out here in these streets helping us. Yes. Major kudos to, to Black Excellence. Mm-hmm. We love it. We love it. Um, I also recently found out that I was selected as a Harvard University Immigration Research Fellow. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting, uh, which means I'm going to be flying some more this fall. So I'll be back in Cambridge like every other week. I'll have to fly up there for like seminars and stuff like that. But it's my last year. It's worth it. I don't really want to be away from campus. So I'm excited to be back. That's what's up. That's what's up. As long as they don't delay you graduating. Oh, no, it should push me through because it's, okay. um, you know, they help with like uh, fee back on dissertation with the oh, job nice. market with stuff like that so it's actually it should help facilitate that process all right good 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 because we trying to get you out of there Daph. <laughs> I, don't I don't know i just been thinking to myself like what am i gonna do in my life when i uh oh, yeah, graduate? Like, no more. i'm not ready for this world. yeah it's coming up it's coming up but it's about time so we call you call you doctor. <laughs> no, just about everybody from my original Purdue class has graduated. Like two people just defended uh, us on Facebook. So it's like almost like I'm pretty much one of the last. You people. almost there, almost yeah. there. That's what's up. Uh, what's up with you? Nothing. Um, you know, this this past weekend, uh, like I said last week, I went to the Afros and Audio uh, first inaugural Black Podcast Festival out there in Brooklyn. Okay. So that was good, man. Um, you know, I, I moderated the plan, uh, a panel on uh, connecting the connecting the diaspora through podcasting, which was really fun. Um, it was some really big, you know, black podcasts out there big time um so it's good to just meet them network and just be around a lot of other black podcasters and see you know what gems they drop in and 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 things you know how they you know some of them been in the game for five six years so they just telling us what they went through their experience how to how to plan for certain things so it was good it was good very open it was the first one and it was a good turnout for the first one and what i like they did too is that they apparently had um a lot of their ticket buyers uh, bought virtual tickets so there was a Mm -hmm. lot of people tuned in 
that were live streaming and stuff like that. So nice. It's good for the first one, and you know, I tell them we'll, we'll be connected for for the ones, you know, all the future ones, and and try to build a partnership with them. But but it was a good space to be in for sure. Yeah, we out here. You uh-huh. out there moderating these panels, putting <laughs> BHD on the map, putting them on the map. So yeah, a lot of people liked it. A lot of people um like, you know, I you know, gave a quick background as far as how BHD started and what we're about. And uh, you know, again, we we not many people are doing, you know, at least nobody that I knew as they're doing what we do, um, with the educational perspective and just, you know, putting on scholars and everybody has their own niche, but but we are definitely uh alone in a lot of ways. <laughs> so that's so that's good, you know. Um that means we're fulfilling the need out there for these folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was fun. That was fun. Um, yeah, nothing else. I'm trying to think. This week I'll be in. Um, I'll be at a like a. I don't know if it's a conference or like a workshop thing all week at Villanova University mm-hmm. called like Truth and Racial Healing, uh, with like 28 other schools. Not really sure exactly what we'll be doing yet, but I'll be out there all this week. So I'll tell y'all what that's about when I get back <laughs> for next week's episode. Cool. Um, this week, all I have is work, um, trying to get these uh, interviews. Uh, they're transcribed, but I have to clean them up. And um, it's so tedious. Yeah. Yeah. That that part is <laughs> that part is the tedious part for sure. Yeah. But yeah, nothing going on this week. Just looking forward to uh, the debates that are happening, which, um, you know, later in the episode, we'll just, you know, kind of talk about about uh, that a little bit, what you should look out for. Um, That's that's really all I'm looking forward to this week. Yeah, definitely. Let's see how these debates go. So I guess let's get into Old Lord News before we get into the to the politics and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So for today's episode is kind of the old Lord news of, you know, full length episode with also as discussing a few serious topics such as like politics and and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Let's, let's get into a a little old Lord news. All right. Hello and welcome to BHD news, where we give you the most current and eye opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say, Okay, so speaking of flying, which I do a lot, I am one of those passengers where as soon as I get on the plane, I get in my seat and I immediately fall asleep. Like sometimes I don't even feel us take off. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the flight, like, why are we still on the you know tarmac? And I'm like, oh, wow, the flight is halfway over. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful because there was an Air Canada passenger who fell asleep on her flight. And when she woke up, it was pitch black. What? There was no one on the flight. And uh, her phone was dead, so she couldn't call anyone. Come to find out she was left on the plane. They did not see her. And um, she walked up to the cockpit to find a flashlight. Uh, She found a way to open open the door to the plane only to see that there was no jet bridge attached to it. And it was a 40-foot drop. If she was gonna try to, 
<laughs> wow. Yes. So what happened was, you know, she was tired. I guess she had been uh, suffering from like insomnia and stuff. She got on the flight. She fell asleep. The flight was pretty much like half empty. So I'm guessing she was kind of laid down across like a couple of seats, which I have done before. The uh, flight attendants, I guess, did not do a final sweep of the plane. And it was like kind of like docked like way away from like the airport um so what she did was use the flashlight to kind of flash and like eventually somebody like on a our cart like came and found her oh wow okay well, that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> i was like i've heard the stories of people being left on buses and stuff like that but to be left on a plane that is wild Yes, that is absolutely wild. You know, she's like, you know, I don't know how much this is true because, I mean, I would be trying to sue as well. But she's like, you know, she's experiencing anxiety. She has nightmares. I mean, I guess it would be scary waking up on a plane by yourself. I would think I was in the Twilight Zone or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd be having anxiety. So, I mean, you'd probably be worried and nervous and crazy when it first happens. But mm-hmm. <laughs> once you get to safety, that's just a wild story. Like, yeah, I'm never falling asleep on a plane again. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I don't even know how they missed her though. Like, how you miss a whole person? I know they supposed to like check the roles and stuff before. I'm guessing you know, they did not check up. the roles. So she was probably laying down. They didn't mm-hmm. check. They were probably like, "Up, oh, everybody gone. I'm I'm ready to go home." <laughs> oh yeah, because I was like, they they clearly just missed her. Did not do their job. Mm-hmm. I know somebody probably getting in trouble. One of those attendants, like, who was on that flight? How you ain't catch a whole person? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. Okay, so you know. Speaking of, I guess, settlements, because I know she's going to try to secure the bag with being left on that plane. Well, there was a Michigan man who was in the middle of a a divorce. Um, They had been separated for like a couple of years. Like, I think they got separated in 2011 and they were still going through the divorce. But in 2013, while he was going through the divorce, he won the lottery. Uh, $80 million Mega Millions uh, after uh, and after taxes, he got about $38 million. Well, an arbitrator said that his wife was still entitled to almost half of those winnings, Damn. even though they had been separated and like they were already going through the divorce. That's wild. How do you feel about that? Um... I, first of all, I'll be I'll be pissed. <laughs> like I get it, I get it. Like everything up until that point is fair game, right? Especially yeah. no prenups. But once we separate it and uh, the divorce paperwork is in, and I come up on some money, no, you can't touch that. Like yeah. it's already formal formalities that we document that we are ending, and and no, from this point forward, is yours is yours and mine is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of wild, yo. Uh, I wonder. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess he. I'm like, yeah, I mean, ain't nobody going to keep a secret that you won the lottery. But um, but I guess now if, that, if you were in this situation, you probably just got to keep it low key for a second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had three children together. So, of course, she was going to receive, you know, some type of child support or something like that. But I, I don't know how fair I think that is if we are already like in the divorce proceedings. We're like completely separated and like, yo. I'd be a little pissed. Because I know she would be mad, too, if she won the lottery. And he like, yo, give me half. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't also be mad at her for trying to get half of that, though, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's so, you know, it'd it be real out here, y'all. 
But actually, speaking of divorce, this is actually some yes, Lord news or some good news is that uh and I think we've mentioned this before, but the divorce rates are declining, especially for people under the age of 55. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, in 2017, the median age at marriage was 27 for women and 29 for men. And that might, I think that might also play into it. Uh, the greatest decrease... Um, um, or the divorce rate dropped by 43% um, from 47 divorces per 1,000 marriages in, 29, uh, in 1990 to 27 per 1,000 marriages in 2017. So it was actually, you know, going down. Yeah, that's a kind of a big drop. Yeah. So go us, uh, millennials. Uh, they yeah. always trying to talk down on us. Yeah, I think a, a big part of it, too. I think a lot of us are definitely getting married later yeah. in life compared to our parents' generations. You know, they were they were definitely getting, a lot of them getting married way earlier than us. Mm-hmm. And someone with shotgun waiting if we be married. <laughs> <laughs> you going to marry my baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this is a crazy story. So a Florida city is paying $600,000 in bitcoins to a hacker who took over their local government computers after an employee clicked on a malicious email link three weeks ago. So, you know, the hacker is charging them a ransom, you know, to like, you know, get... uh, you know, in access to the computer systems and they're actually paying, paying it. And they probably will not be able to figure out who the person is because Bitcoin is not like connected to like names. Yeah. And banks and stuff. That's mm-hmm. like some movie stuff, man. That's yeah. Like, uh, when they hack your system and they got to do all this crazy stuff to get it back. Yeah. And I wonder what he, I wonder what whoever the hacker is, they got on the uh, servers, like what kind of information, you know, they were working with or, or exposed to or is vulnerable. Yeah, uh, they hope to get access to the data encrypted by that. So the hacker encrypted all of their data so they can't get access to it. And they tried, they said that the city government tried to like downplay it. But if you're willing to pay $600,000, then um, it's clearly very serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Well, I mean, that goes for everyone. Don't be uh, clicking on them uh, random links, you know. And the funny thing about it, my school, they have their IT team, our IT team sends out like fake ones mm-hmm. and then if you like click on it then they send you a message and like about all this stuff like you shouldn't click on these things and kind of like reprimand you through email uh-huh. that's so funny <laughs> i didn't know about that's that good. i clicked on one when i first started teaching when i yeah. first got here i was like what ain't nobody tell you about these these fake emails because it was like legit real like you know everything in the subject it seemed like a legitimate email and i clicked on it um and clearly it wasn't and then they they got on me in IT. So so it's good that you if you have in-house people testing your employees like that, so you can tell them like don't be clicking on stuff. Cause you don't want to be caught up like like this government, this local government. Yeah, you do not. Um, and then my final oh Lord news story for today. Uh, did you hear that Harvard rescinded the admissions of one of the Parkland shooting survivors, Kyle Cut Cut? Kashov, I don't know how to say his last name, um, over racist comments that he made a couple of years ago when he was, you know, 16. Um, he, it was in text messages where he, I think, called some 
a black student, like N-word, you know, athletes. And I guess he was jealous that a, a girl like you know, a particular athlete. And so he referred to him as the N-word and, you know, some other things. Uh, But they decided that, you know, Harvard was not the place for a person like him. Um, And he's also a very, and I mean, I don't feel like somebody should be targeted because they're a Trump supporter, but I will just, you know, make the note that he is also in Trump. (laughs) Get him him out of here. (laughs) Uh, That alone is not enough to be like, you know, somebody doesn't belong because, you know, universities need, you know, diversity of of opinion. But, you know, he got caught slipping and being really racist. And what was funny is they were like, you know, a college shouldn't judge, you know, somebody for what they did when they were so young. And somebody made the point that like when it's just like a two years ago, if anything, it's two years ago (laughs) and college admissions offices are literally judging you by what you did when you were 16. So don't say, oh, it was a mistake I made at 16. Like that's what college admissions offices are actually judging you on what you did at 16. Exactly. It'd be different if you was 50. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you you was young, you might have learned, but sixteen and you applying to colleges when you're seventeen, come on now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Not much. There's not going to be that much of a change with a teenager in that period, uh, with those kind of thoughts for sure. You know, uh, maybe if he went to college or did some other things, but yeah, I think I think um, you know it's a, it can be a slippery slope, but I think colleges sh- should screen that kind of stuff some in some way because you don't want bigots and, and openly racist people up in your up in your doors. Um and one thing I can say is Harvard really cares about its image. So I mean I don't think they would want anybody potentially using the university as a platform to like really be out here wild and so who knows. Yeah and I'm sure because he was a Parkland survivor he probably had a little bit more um scrutiny. Right? He would get, you know, whatever he does, it could be Harvard's reputation. And so they're probably going to look at him a little closer than the average student, because if it, you know, this came out while he was a student at Harvard, um, you know, two years into something, people would be like, oh, yo, looking at Harvard. So you're right. Um, they kind of just nipped it in the bud before he even stepped, foot through, st- stepped his foot through the door. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, all right. So. I got a, a couple of Lord news stories. One is one I saw on social media, which is, which is pretty funny. Um, I know, you know, you know who Holly Berry is, right? Yes. <laughs> well, apparently um, this man actually tried to steal Holly Berry's Los Angeles home. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so most of people think about breaking in, stealing stuff in the home. No, he literally tried to steal the home. Um, the guy's name is Ronald Eugene Griffin. He's 59 years old. And pretty much he created a uh, a fake deed right to her house. <laughs> and he pretty much broke into her property, like trespassing in the property to act like it was his home. And he tried to use the deed to actually take Holly Berry's home. Mm. And of course, officers arrived on the scene because people were like, who's this strange man on her property? And he tried to show them the deed. They found that it was fake. Um, and of course, got arrested and charges, um, all that kind of stuff. But 
Oh, that was a kind of wild story. Like, like yeah, who, who things like that? <laughs> like, somebody, and it's crazy because the way laws work, probably if he was able to squat in there for so much for so long, he probably could have been able to claim it for real. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, if if he had, if it was a little more legitimate, or if he had a better game plan, at least momentarily, he probably could have had her house for that. I was like, that's that's wild, man. Trying to steal a whole house. Um, another old little news stories that I had is, um, you know, I, you know, there's been a lot of reporting talking about cell phone usage, especially with millennials and the younger generations, et cetera, mm-hmm. and, you know, using it too much. So uh, allegedly, you know, and, and also we know that <laughs> if you've taken, you know, if you understand things about science, they talk about evolution and how humans and all animals ev- uh, evolve over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now there has been some evidence with some scientists in Australia saying that um, cell phone usage may begin to cause humans to evolve. I think I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Like growing something that are... It, they're saying that with their reports, they're saying that young people are growing horns on their skulls from spending too much time hunched over on their smartphones. Oh my God. One of the reasons that this happened. So you're having your smartphone in your hand and your head is down, constantly looking at your smartphone, uh, smartphone and it's saying that it's um, causing these burn, bone spurs in the back of your neck to grow. And... There are little mini horns in some of the young folks they found in Australia, <laughs> which is kind of that is so crazy. Kind of, uh, of course, sci- other scientists have chimed in and said, you know, uh, have been skeptical, but they're saying that yes, being on your cell phone may be a cause, but it's probably not the primary cause. Poor posture, other things can also influence uh, this this bone spur and this kind of horn growing, um, but it's not solely linked to to cell phones. But it, you know, it is a variable. And the equation. You know what? I was actually just thinking about that because I was around some kids recently and it was like all of them were glued to phones. And I I actually have just decided that I am going to try to actively detach myself from my phone when I am just like chilling around the house. You know, you like if I'm out and I need to check email, that's fine. But I kind of want to like disconnect myself because it was really like shocking to see like everybody in a room everybody just like looking down attached to their phones yeah no it's wild it i mean it is wild um yeah it's very it's really rare nowadays when i see young kids and most of them have a phone in their hand Mm -hmm. and are socializing with the phones just always looking at their phones and it's like i i mean i already know once i have kids you know I'm definitely limiting. I want them to go outside, go play, get dirty, climb some trees, whatever it is. Like, this phone will not be your primary form of entertainment. You know, it's good to have them so they can learn how to use them, but but I can't have them on them joints all the time. And now I definitely can't have them going no horns out the back of their neck. <laughs> right, right. And just to remind parents, like, you know, people like Steve Jobs, like, uh, what's his name? Bill Gates. They did not allow their children to actually use the devices that they developed. They severely limited limited the amount of time that their children could be on electronic devices and, you know, opted for them to, you know, work with manipulatives, like things that they could manipulate in their hands. So that's, you know, yeah. 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 You got to be careful. Um, and I, don't know, I guess I don't know. I can't. This is not really old. Lord. It's I guess it's like a mix of an old Lord story and a and a um, a yes Lord story. <laughs> but have you heard of the woman uh, who was going viral for um, her 
earning her PhD. Oh, um, pretty Pepsi, much black name. Pepsi. Because <laughs> her name, <laughs> but her name, her real life name is Marijuana Pepsi. <laughs> and she yes. wrote a dissertation on uh, unique black names in the culture. And so, you know, her, her, uh, her, achieving her PhD has went viral probably just because of her name alone, but then also because of the content of her, her dissertation, which is pretty funny, like marijuana Pepsi. That is a wild name. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I was reading like tweets and stuff about it. And they were like, uh, that for the longest, it was, she was like an urban legend. Cause you know, like, so I used to be a teacher and, you know, students, you know, sometimes have interesting names and you're like, Oh, I once had a student named X or I once had a student named Y. And so like people on Twitter, were like, you know, I heard of this name a long time ago, but I thought it was just kind of this urban legend thing. But then when she went viral for her, you know, dissertation, Lord, whew. she says she doesn't smoke or uh, drink soda, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she says people always tell her to change her name, but she used to like, no, I'm not going to. Um, and uh she did, and now she, you know, came up off it. Like that's her dissertation topic, off her life's experience, and and I'm low key like interested in like kind of see what she wrote about. Yeah, you know, what was what was her her thesis? What was she trying to find? What did she find? Because um, I'm pretty sure it's some pretty cool trends and patterns with with the naming of black children that she found. Yeah, um, but kudos to Dr. Pepsi. Dr. Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> um, his last stories. It was like two stories combined. It's about police officers. You know, I had to, you know me always being involved in looking into criminal justice stuff. There was a story that came out um, a little, I think last week, probably, probably missed it after we recorded, but uh, a, a police officer by the name of Grayson Fritz, who pretty much um, was a police officer who was also a, a pastor. Mm. you see the story? No. Um, he's a pastor in Knoxville, Tennessee at the All Scripture Baptist Church. And he pretty much, uh, I'll play a clip of it. Um, and he, But he pretty much, what he did is pretty much... Uh, preaches whole sermons on pretty much that the government needs to execute gay people, gay folk. Oh. Uh, yeah. He just like co- completely like, it's not biblical, correct. It's not Christian like, and uh, his sermon is like pretty wild. And in multiple sermons that had, they have recorded of him going in on, on uh, the LGBTQIA community mm. and uh, telling them how they need to be put to death because of what they do. I hate homosexuals. You understand me? The purpose of this sermon is to show you that our government, like the police, like the federal government, the police, or what have you, should enforce Leviticus 2013. The United States government, or local government, Knox County government, Tennessee government, should put murderers to death. Right. Should put rapists to death. Should put kidnappers to death. Should put adulterers to death. Should put sodomites to death. Uh, and of, of course, he's been, uh, you know, fi- fired uh, and taken off the streets. But, you know, I think he might have been a lieutenant or something like that, if I'm correct. But he was a pretty, you know, been in the police department for a while. But it's still really scary to think that uh, officers like him are still on, you know, police force. And this is why a lot of black and brown and, and I mean, just people all in the marginalized communities are very fearful of, of police officers because guys like him. Uh, believe these things and are, are have so much power when they're on the streets with their weapons and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. That's scary. It's disturbing. Um, and that he even felt comfortable enough to like save these things. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of, so 
I don't know. We all have our prejudices and our biases and stuff. And when you're working like for the public good in public service, you know, we have to understand that people are going to come with their own, you know, issues and mm-hmm. hangups. Um, but the fact that you're not trying to, he's not trying to work through them, but advocating something so disgusting and horrible, that's like scary. It is. It is. It is. And so like this even goes along with um, the story with the the, um, the uh, Parkland shooter, survivor shooter, Parkland survivor, mm-hmm. uh, school survivor from the shooting. Um, how do you look at Facebook? How Harvard looked at the Facebook? Well, apparently in Philadelphia, uh, 72 Philadelphia mm-hmm. police officers have been placed on administrative leave for their Facebook posts and the groups that they were involved in, which were pretty much uh, racist groups and they put up a lot of racist posts and so all of them have been placed on administrative leave because of um, and I think it was a an investigation if I'm correct by maybe um, a local news network or something like that for over a certain span of time where they were kind of following the police officers and what they posted what groups they were part of mm-hmm. they, they found you know these 72 to be directly linked to this stuff and now they are um, under investigation for these their remarks on Instagram or Facebook yeah, I, I heard about that. I heard about that. Just so ridiculous. Um, but the your feelings in your private life are a lot of times reflected in the way you do your job. And we oh, yeah. honestly, we don't need police officers like that. If we have them, I feel like departments need to be doing a very good job of like, and not just like BS you know, cultural diversity training, but like really going in and doing like bias work with police officers. I honestly feel like there are some, there are some professions where they do, where like social media, like they need to get into your personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to a profession, I think it should be allowed for them to check your Facebook, check your Instagram, Twitter, or whatever things you post, things you say, because, you know, you're, especially if you're given the power to take someone's life mm-hmm. uh, with your discretion um, and make these decisions, you have to make sure that you are not extremely biased in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you just gotta, uh, they should be, you know, they should be, they should be scrutinized in that manner, I think. Yeah. Not, not all professions, but definitely these. Yeah. These for sure. Speaking of that, do you remember the Charles Kinsey case um, in Florida? He was a caregiver for an autistic man who they were in the middle. They were like on the side of the road. Uh, the autistic man um, was like holding a toy truck and his caregiver, who was black, was literally laying down with his hands up in the air. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the police officer shot him. Uh, well, uh, the verdict, you know, just came back on that. And he was uh, he was found negligent, but they and that was a misdemeanor. But they dismissed all of like the felony charges related to uh, attempted manslaughter and et cetera, although Every other officer on the scene was like, it's a toy car. Like, what are we doing? Like, you know, they have recordings of that on the radio saying, like, the man is not holding a gun. Or And this was the autistic man. The, the autistic man is holding um, a toy car. And on video, so, you know, have they have, like, uh, police uh, recordings, um, mm-hmm. body-worn cameras. Body cam, yeah. uh, when one of his colleagues asked him, why did you do that? He said, I don't know. Oh, my God. So, but, you know, he, you know, he got off easy. 
Yes, and you know, and it's, again, not uncommon what we see with these police officers, but hopefully over time we'll, because there's no way you shoot an innocent man with his hands up on the ground saying, <laughs> like, stop, come on, like, what else? This is why I say people, because people are like, oh, people, this goes against the narrative. People are just like, oh, just follow their instructions, you know, and you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, what else can you do to not get shot? I am on the ground, laying down on my back with my hands up. And how do you still think I am that threatening? Like, come on, bro. And you're like, and you can, anyone can go online. If you, you know, Google Charles Kinsey, you can see the photo. Like he is literally laying down on his back, legs spread wide, hands up, head up. There is nothing about his position that you could even remotely think is threatening in any way. And he still got away with it. So... Yeah. But happy he like survived. Yeah, he's. I'm happy he survived for sure. And officers like that need to never be on the the streets again. Mm. They need to be pushing papers and documents and filing <laughs> cabinets or whatever it is. Stay yeah. in office, in cubicles. Yeah, no. police. If you just want to be in law enforcement, I'm pretty sure they got office jobs. Everybody don't need to be on the street. Yes, and I'm sure you get all the benefits and everything that come with it, and a badge and all that stuff. But yeah. If that's all you want, you you can get a badge too. Just stay yeah. behind the desk. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy. So I guess um, this next story kind of leads us into um, getting to some of the politics things you want to talk about. Because um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, talked about reparations, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, some of these 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 old white males, man, just still don't get it. And pretty sure you heard the com- the remarks of uh, United States Senator Mitch McConnell. The turtle. Family. He looked like a turtle, though. Yeah, he does. Yes. I heard him. So apparently when he was asked about reparations, he said, I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago from whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. And he said, we've tried to deal with our original sin of slavery by fighting a civil war, by passing landmark civil rights legislation, and we've even elected an African-American president. <laughs> oh, woo! That's our reparations of all. Oh, yeah. All, all those years of slavery, you know, we finally got a black man in office who none of y'all liked. Uh, but but it's 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 we we're done. We we move past that. And that's always that you know, that's uh, post racism remarks that a lot of people like to adopt, saying that you know, post racial society that we no longer have these issues because of things like that, which is really scary. Um, and I'm glad to see, um, if you guys haven't, check out ta Coates' response to what Mitch McConnell said. Yesterday, when asked about reparations, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for. But we are American citizens, and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance, 
And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. Because, you know, he's been a major, a very vocal person about reparations, wrote that huge and amazing piece in The Atlantic, which we addressed before earlier at some point in one of our episodes in a podcast. And so he was up, uh, I think it was like a congressional hearing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. he was addressing the reparations because they were about to pass or passing that um, that act. What is it? H- 40 something like that i can't remember the exact name or 70 or something it's some yeah 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 and and for those of you make sure i mean it's not an act to pass reparations at all it is is just putting a commission together to study reparations um and be more informed of what it should look like a lot of people i think think that it's like oh they're going to pass and and give reparations that whole act is just to make the government put people together to begin to study it and further the conversation on reparations so um but yeah that that's where Mitch McConnell. Um, but all right, so let's talk a little bit about some politics um, and some stories. Well, not not a lot of stories, but as we've well, maybe maybe you know, maybe you don't know the first primary Democratic presidential debates will be happening this week. Yes. Um, uh, actually, tonight, the night that this podcast episode airs, Wednesday night and Thursday night, there will mm-hmm. be two because there are twenty people. Uh, who are going to be on this. It's going to be wild. I'm just really interested to see how they play that out. There's going to be 10 people on each debate each night. I think mm-hmm. the debates are from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. on both nights, Wednesday and Thursday. So make sure you tune in because, you know, next week's episode, we're definitely going to talk about our overview and viewpoints of what we think about the debates and who killed it, who didn't kill it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts going into this, Dad? So my thoughts going into this is I want I want some substance. Um, I feel like since Trump has risen, since, you know, we've gotten into the age of Trump, everybody wants a soundbite. Everybody, you know, wants to be a meme like, oh, you know, that was so good. No, I want to hear some substance. Uh, you know, what what are your policies going to look like? Uh, so on the first night, we got Bill de Blasio, uh, Tim Ryan, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Beto, Amy uh, Klobar, Tussie Gillibrand, Jay Inslee, uh, John Delaney. And on the second night, uh, some big names, too. You got the Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Biden, uh, Chrissy Gillibrand, um, a lot of people, a uh, lot of good names in there. And so, you know, I'm looking to see who's going to stand out. I already feel like Elizabeth Warren is going to stand out. It should be no secret by now that I, you know, really kind of like her. Um, so I'm really kind of looking to see uh, night two to see who really captures my attention. I feel like there are a lot of people um, who like Joe Biden because he has the name recognition. He was the VP. Um, but a lot of people have been coming after him lately. So I think that's going to be a very interesting night. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. That second, the second night lineup has, I think more of the, the, the big timers, which mm-hmm. people, you know, the Biden, the Sanders and, and Kamala Harris. Um, and, and even Buddha judge, like, I think that one is going to be, cause they, they're going to all have to, I'm glad they put them all together. Because um, they're going to have to really go toe to toe. Warren, even though she's in the first one, um, 
She's kind of, I mean, Castro's pretty big. Uh, and, you know, maybe you can debate about Booker and Klobuchar and them, but, you know, Warren is kind of the bigger the bigger one there. It'd be interesting if she was in that second night with the rest of them to see how they go toe-to-toe to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that second night is the one I'm like, okay, I'm really tuning in. Like, <laughs> Biden, Sanders, Harris, you know, Judge. okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be a good debate. But, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want all this... Trump, 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 Trump. We know what Trump is about. Mm-hmm. We all want him out of office. You do not have to remind us why he needs to be out of office and his terrible policies and what he's doing. Um, just get tell us what you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us what you, and I think, you know, at the moment, I think Warren, to me, has d- been doing the best at that. Um, uh, and, and so I think policy-wise, everybody's going to have to step their game up who she's going against. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I think I think uh, I'm looking forward to it. But that's that's one of the key things, policy. And I think there's going to be a couple people who are going to sneak up. This is always a time where, you know, people who are kind of in the background in the shadows can make their mark with some quotables or some statements or how they are how they go up there on the stage. And uh, um, I think uh, Tulsi uh, Gabbard from Hawaii, representative. I think people might tune into her uh, because she hasn't gotten a lot of headlines, but she is a woman of color as well. Yeah. And I think uh, people, you know, just naturally going to be like, oh, who's this? Yeah. And uh, probably listen to what she has to say. So I'll be curious. And I think it's also interesting, too, because the, the I think the people who are, I guess, the underdogs can somewhat steal the show mm-hmm. um, because it's not a lot. They don't have a lot of light on them. Uh, and you already have so much to go off of, of the names of like a Sanders, a Harris, a Biden, right, to like counteract what they're going to say or hold policies against them while you're kind of fresh in the game. And they're probably not going to have as much of a, a blueprint against you, because I'm pretty sure that Biden, Sanders, Harris, all of them, Buddha judge are ready to go at each other. And they're not really prepping for the, I guess, the small fish, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope they don't get caught off guard, but they may. Uh, with something if they're not on their P's and Q's. And that was kind of the thing. So we have to remember that even when Obama won, he was not the front oh, runner. Yeah. He, he was came not at all. from behind. So, it, you know, there are some names out there, but there might be somebody that surprises us. And I'm okay with that as long as the people are excited and it's yeah. somebody that will motivate people to go out there and vote. Baby, it does not have to be one of these big names that are already out here. Like, because it's yeah. about the policies. And I also... Seeing how um, indifferent people were to Hillary Clinton in 2016, I do want it to be somebody that most of us can rally around and then not be like this divisive thing. So, you know, bring bring your A game. And I think I think I just realized I mixed up uh, Tulsi Gabbard's name with Christy Gillibrand. I think I might have said like Gillibrand's last name for Tulsi's first name or something oh, like oh, that. No, no, you said, no, you said it right. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was you just thinking right. about that. Um, but yeah, um, so I just feel like people really need to uh, read up on issues, you know, climate change, immigration, um, trade, uh, Healthcare, Medicare for all, like get informed about these policies so that before any candidate sells you on what they have, you have already developed your own opinion about these things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's one way to like go in and being prepared for the the debate. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, with 10 people, um, uh, we're not sure. They're not. Nobody knows yet what topics they're going to address. 
so I with 10 people, I doubt they're going to be able to address that many yeah. when you have like four or five. So they're touch on some big ones, uh, but I would like to see them throw some some wild cards in there. Yeah. Like things like reparations, you know, things that are a little bit more race specific or race related. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to put them all on the spot and let's see who says what when you're up there, right? Because then we, you know, it, it'll just be interesting um, to see who's committed to it and who's not. And that's where people make, you know, their mark on this. Um, so, yeah, I think I think in the first debate, I'll keep my eyes on somebody like Tulsi. And I think, um, you know, I think people may, again, tune in. I'm just looking at people of color who, who are going to be in his debates. And I'm looking at maybe, uh, you know, entrepreneur Andrew Yang up there. Yeah. Um, like, who is this? You know, and uh, and his whole you know thing about getting people a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Mike peaks up people too. Of course, he's gonna, gonna say a lot more, but um, I think people are gonna are gonna be curious to see who these other folks are, and so those they'll be just what they that little bit of time they have. It'll be good to see what they say and how they hold up. Mm-hmm. Have I ever discussed this web site called isidewith.com? No, I never heard about that. Okay, so it is a website to where you take a quiz and it asks you about like all types of issues uh, from, uh, again, trade to immigration to abortion to climate change, like every particular issue. And like it even like if they ask you a question, you know, you can click to ask for more information so that you can make a more informed opinion. And then based on how you answer that, they will actually rank the candidates and see how well you match with like any particular candidate. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like uh, you might be like a 90 percent match with one candidate and like a 70 percent match with another candidate based on mm-hmm. what your positions are and what their espoused positions are. And I think. I have done it. It's funny because a lot of the Democratic candidates, I'm like a 90 percent whip. So it's just kind of like, OK, I might listen to this person a little bit more closely because I they didn't have name recognition. So I hadn't really been paying attention to them. But like, wow, they clearly overlap a lot with my views. So let me pay a little bit more attention to them. So it's a really cool website. No, yeah, definitely. We should, uh, you know, we'll put the link down for that so then people can play with it. At least maybe organize your thoughts and on the things that matter and see who's saying what before tonight's debate. And that'll help you, you know, sift through some things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that. That'll be cool. And I'll, I'll play with around with it, too, to see. Who, who you match with? Yeah. Who I match with? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And, yeah, you should do it. But I, I like it because it's – it just helps you organize your thoughts because sometimes you think you might be more closely aligned to somebody than, and you you aren't. Like yeah. I'm not at all very aligned with Joe Biden. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not like it's like off. It's not like it's like twenty percent, but it's just kind of like you know some candidates I'm aligned like with like. 90, 95%. And I think his was probably around like maybe 60 or 70. And that's mm. like wild because people might not even realize it because they're just going based on name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, we'll play around and give us something, give us a good idea. I know um, somebody who we're not aligned with who we need to discuss is, is President Trump. Oh my goodness. <laughs> not to start a freaking war. <laughs> Trying to start a war, trying not to start a war. Over, I mean, to me, it's not even that serious. It's like, bro, they shot down like uh, a drone, right? I just see the drones are not, you know, not nobody's in them. It's like, 
a robot in the sky. We probably were spying on them. Uh, but I don't know. It's like they're making a huge issue out of it when it was, it's not to me as just an average citizen. It ain't, it ain't that big of a deal to go to war for. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, oh, we were in um, international, you know, space or whatever uh, that was like safe and they shouldn't have did it. And I'm like, man, it's, it's just not. It's like they kind of shot down your, your toy, you know. Yeah. I'm not trying to go to war over that. Like, it's not that serious, bro. Relax. And what's funny is I actually read that, like, somebody on Fox News was kind of said that if Trump goes to war, he'll have a more difficult time getting elected. And out of all of the, you know, advice he had about, like, you know, doing a strike against Iran, that the threat of him not getting reelected was what kind of like scared him off from like, yeah, to pull back. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Uh, It doesn't surprise me. Like, again, nobody wants to go to war for real. It's not even that serious. Uh, I I just, I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I feel like he's doing a lot now because he's, you know, trying a lot. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of presidents in the past have tried to use war, and stuff to stay uh, in office. Yeah, stay in office. And so I wouldn't be surprised with Trump time trying to do this tactic. And it's just not worth it. I mean, I always think about the, you know, the men and women who are a part of the military. And it's like, is it worth people dying for it, man? Is it really worth it? And nah, nah, not not on my not on, not through my eyes. I don't see that. Um and then also with Trump, uh, you know, when Trump put out that he was going to give um, ICE the authority to do those those raids in mm-hmm. major cities, mm-hmm. uh, which caused a lot of hoopla. And this is what I want everybody to understand, because I'm going to talk about Kavanaugh after this too, but but he's doing these things intentionally, man. Like, it's so obvious. He puts this out that he wants ICE to go do all these raids, mm-hmm. knowing that Democrats would fight back in the uproar. Mm-hmm. And then now he's like, oh, we're not going to do that anymore because Democrats didn't want it to happen. So we're going to go back to the drawing table. Like, he probably never was going to do it that. Anyway. He wants to seem like he's compromising and negotiating now with Democrats uh, to help improve his image and his ratings. Like, huh, like that's like... It's, I don't know. Say he's playing a game with everybody, man. And and I mean, it's people's lives. When you talk about ice and and the, the anxiety and 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 worries that he probably caused a lot of people who are from immigrant families for no reason, just to gain some political weight. The Democrats falling right into the trap mm-hmm. of all the hoopla and getting back on him. And then he's he countered. I mean, that was a very smart move. And I don't know if a lot of people are going to see that. Like that matter if he's spinning now is like, well, because the Democrats are upset, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, he it's just really bothering me because uh, it's just like political pawn, like, you know, people are becoming political pawns and it's just a lot of posturing going on. And to me, it doesn't it's just kind of like you don't know what you're doing. Like, that's how it reads to me. Like, you you just don't know what you're doing. You're making a very rash decision and you need somebody to inform you and then you know, you kind of pull back. But I'm pretty sure his own supporters be like, yeah, he's compromising. But I just see it as somebody that is just incompetent and um, people are informing him that like, yo, you can't really do that. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, like, again, I think, I think this move was strategic. I think he knew what was going to happen from the start to finish. Uh, it was just, cause it was just, it was just too, within a week, it was last week. You know, last Sunday he's saying they're going to have the raids and then 
Um, and then now he's saying we're not going to have the raise within that week, the day he's supposed to have them because Democrats were upset. It, it, he, he wasn't trying to do that at all because um, that would have just made him look bad. He's already mm-hmm. under, you know, people already getting on him for all the immigration stuff. So now all of a sudden you're going to nobody's doing anything. And all of a sudden he's going to be like, OK, let's raid everyone, you know, and, mm-hmm. and gotta, for what? Uh, he knew it's just it's just too strategic. And uh, we everybody just don't fall for the okie doke. Right. Trump is, he was not going to do that. He's not trying to negotiate with the Democrats. Um and the Democrats has got to be a little bit more. They got to play a little bit more chess as well. Mm-hmm. Like you got to see some things. Play that. Play. Let. Let. If they would have not said anything, I know it would have been tough to do, right? Because I mean, how they feel. But if they would have not said anything, I wonder how that would have like destroyed Trump's plan. Because mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, he would have he would have shot himself in the foot. Let him do it and then attack him. Right. Like 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 play uh, play those cards, let him make him play his cards instead of just, you know, falling right into his trap. But very reactive to Trump, every decision he makes. And so it's always a predictable move. If I say something to get the Democrats upset, they're going to say something. Then I can act like the good guy when I back down on this irresponsible thing. I'm going to do in the first place. <laughs> he is ridiculous. <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, and then keeping with Trump, uh, you know, and the news has also been. Um, I, uh, a lot of conversation going on with, with Brett Kavanaugh, who, you know, we've talked about in the past when he was just getting um, selected to be in the Supreme Court and that whole case. And so there's been increasing headlines about Kavanaugh, especially uh, with the latest headline um, with it had to do with what was the name? Curtis Walker, I believe. Uh, Curtis. Um, Curtis Flowers. Curtis Curtis Flowers, yes. Um, Who was a man who uh, pretty much was, uh, went to trial apparently like six or seven times. Mm -hmm. The prosecutor was extremely racist and biased, would not allow any uh, people of color on the jury, in the jury. Um, And so, you know, they went all the way to the Supreme Court. They said it was unconstitutional, you know, release the case, let everything be good. And so Kavanaugh voted on, you know, the side of the, the you know, the quote, unquote, air quotes, liberals on that thing. But it was a seven to two vote. And, you know, uh, of course, the, uh, you, of course, uh, Thomas and, yeah, and, boy, um, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> and the other uh, justice name. What's that guy's name? Uh, that's uh, I forgot his name that um, what you call it. It wasn't in, Kennedy, was it? No, not Kennedy. It's because uh, Trump put in two guys, uh, Gersich, maybe Gersich. Is that the guy? Um, I believe it's Gersich. Um, that Trump put in Gersich and Kavanaugh. Mm. Anyway, so it was the other guy that Trump put in and and uh, Clarence Thomas. They all voted uh, against it. They dissented. Um, which is silly. Uh, but anyway, so a lot of the storylines are coming up now, looking how Kavanaugh has been voting because he hasn't been voting conservative 100% of the time. And so people are taking that and running with it and saying, oh, you know, he's not the guy that Trump thought he was going to be. The other appointee that he is, uh, Neil Neil Gorsuch, that's the other one. Neil Gorsuch and, and Brett Kavanaugh. Are the yeah. yeah. Put in. And um, so Gorsuch has been pretty much you know, homies with with Clarence Thomas this entire time. I mean, they've been like the only two always dissenting on like every decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Kavanaugh has been, you know, on the reasonable side of things. Uh, but what I fear is that when people take this narrative, because I think a uh, narrative, because Kavanaugh, I think, is doing that intentionally um, because of all he went through to get in office. Yeah. Um, and so he's playing his cards right. And when I looked at a lot of his decisions, pretty much all the decisions where he voted alongside the liberals were always just, you know, lopsided anyway. 
Right. I mean, there was no way that the conservative uh, perspective was going to win. And so he just jumped on that bandwagon all the times. But what I've been noticing is that with all the close votes, the five, four votes, he's always been voting conservatively. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing you got to pay attention to, because when they're trying to get things up like Roe v. Wade and stuff like that, and if it's a close vote, he's going to go with the conservative side. But when it's lopsided, he doesn't mind going with the liberals because conservatives are going to lose anyway. And it lets him play both sides like that. But what we need to pay attention to as citizens is those close votes. And mm-hmm. Kavanaugh has not been voting um, in favor of the liberals or on our side with those things. So I wanted to mention that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he's playing it safe right now. And then when it comes time for some real deal, holy field cases that we're really going to be looking out for, he's going to vote exactly like we would have expected him to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why I just want to mention, because I don't want people getting surprised, you know, and being like, oh, well, he's voted lib- on the liberal side. So, you know, he can be a, a wild card. We don't know which way he's going to know. We know which way he's going to go when it gets down to those close decisions. Um, so we just got to keep that stuff in mind and make sure that some of these things like Roe v. Wade don't even make it to the Supreme Court because they don't even need to. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they just shut that down immediately. Yeah, agreed. Um, but, uh, anything else in politics we got? Um, nothing major. I feel like it's really going to kick off after this week, though. I feel like yeah. it's probably going to be something, you know, every single week. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll sort of, we'll, we'll hold off on any more po- uh, political conversations until next week after the debates, because I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. <clears throat> I'm going to be watching them. I'm going to have my notepad ready to take some notes so I don't forget anything that I want to bring back to the podcast, because mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot, a lot to share. Um, who who surprised us, who we think did well, who didn't do well, um, you know, who who bombed or whatever. Uh, you know, I'll be watching all this and I'm sure I'll try maybe maybe I'll live tweet with the during the BBC. I was podcast. thinking the <laughs> same thing. Yes. Cause I mean that's a long time. Let's entertain each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so follow BHD podcast if you haven't on, on, on Twitter. And then uh, we'll we'll tweet along with everyone and, and see what's going on and our viewpoints on on what's what's popping with the debates. Um other than that, um Really quickly, I had to mention this because I forgot to mention it earlier. And it's, you know, kind of a good note because were you always a fan of Space Jam, Dev? Oh, yeah. As a child, I, I enjoy Space Jam. Okay. Well, you know, LeBron is bringing back Space Jam 2. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's been in the works for like, I'm going to say at least five years. Um, but they finally got a cast together of NBA players who will be taking part in this in this new generation Space Jam. Was there anybody, you know, of course, LeBron James is going to, serve as like the Michael Jordan character in this one. Uh, but what other NBA characters maybe off the top of your head you think you may want to see in this film? Um, I mean, because he's such a good guy like Steph Curry. Uh, who else? I mean, Dwayne Wade kind of old, but I mean, I guess he would still be. <laughs> I mean, he's not like... Uh, yeah, he's kind of like in the middle between like the, you know, I'm about to retire type thing. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, what's his name? He's injured now, but he's on Golden State. And I was kind of mad he switched to Golden State. Uh, no, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Okay. Um, so, yeah, people like that. What about you? Um, well, I know who's in it now, so I guess so it won't even be fair. But, yeah, I definitely, I would want to see, well, let me tell you who's in it first and then tell you who I want to see. Um, so right now reporting who they have in it is uh, Clay Thompson. Okay. Damian Lillard, um, Anthony Davis, uh, 
are the NBA players right now that are pretty much going to, of course, LeBron James. And then he switches up a little bit, and he actually has about three or four uh, WNBA stars in it as well. Oh, that's so cool. Pretty cool. Um, I know the one young woman from uh, Notre Dame uh, who also has a sister, I think they pronounced the name uh, Ogomike, um, Nika and Chiny. Uh, they're both going to be in it as well, as, as long as with Deanna, Tarsi, and uh, that's those are the three WNBA players I have. And they said there's another one, but they don't have the name up. Um, so that's pretty cool, too, that it's not going to just be the NBA players. Um, so so right now, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis. I definitely would like have like to see um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Blake Griffin. Mm. I just feel like he he's pretty good. Like his commercials and stuff, pretty funny. He's a pretty good actor. Uh, um, just- <laughs> you know who I would have wanted to see? What's the one he always plays in those little Allstate commercials? Oh, Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a good one too. Which yeah, I'm very surprised. Um, I know him and LeBron are boys. Hey, yeah, I don't see it in this report I'm looking at. Uh, but that would have been cool to see Chris Paul in there too. And uh, who else is always in the commercials? Um, but yeah, Chris Paul is a definitely good one. There was somebody else in Blake Griffin, and then um, oh, what's his name? I mean, he had a whole movie uh, um, called Uncle Drew, mm. Kyrie Irving. Oh, okay. <laughs> With his stuff. Uh, so yeah, so. It's, it's in the works, and I believe, uh, if I'm not correct, uh, Ryan Cooler will be serving as a producer on the film as well. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah, you know, so Ryan that means Cougar, it's probably going to be good. Yeah, and you know, Ryan Cooler does a lot of the great black movies of this generation so far. Yeah. So, so with him doing it, I'm, it's going to be it's going to be legit, and I think it'll be fun to watch. So anyway, that's the final report I'll leave everybody with. Check, Get ready for Space Jam 2. Keep your eyes on that, but definitely more importantly, just tune into these debates this week, and then we'll we'll catch up with y'all next week, and then tell you our views and see what's up. And definitely hit us up too, what you think, what you're thinking about the debates on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and then uh, you know we'll include that into our discussion when we talk about it in, in next week. Absolutely. All right, cool. Um, as always, follow us on social media, especially this week, since we'll be live tweeting the debates at BHD Podcast is our handle and all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, go to the website, www.blackandhollydangerous.com to keep up all our latest content. Um, review and rate us on iTunes if you haven't did that already. That's very helpful for us. Um, and other than that, share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.